Rascal. Comedy. Rascal. Talking about important stuff and hopefully making you laugh. And if you don't laugh, well, at least you learned about something important. If you don't care about that, well, that's on you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grasscast. I am your host, Chris Blackwood, and we have an awesome show for you today. Today, myself and my co-host, Robert Mack, will be digging into the issue of climate change. For this, we have an interview with Mike Tidwell, who is the founder and director of the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, otherwise known as CCAN. We'll also be interviewing a property owner in one of the country's driest places. Furthermore, we have clips of comedy goodness from a recent virtual comedy show fundraiser that we had for CCAN. I am joined today by my co-host, Robert Mack from robertmack.com. Robert? Hey there. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that we're doing another one of these. What are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about climate change. Uh, and uh, we are presenting a con view of climate change. Uh, you know, we have had shows before where we uh, have advertised them as supporting climate change and we've had to clarify, no, we, we, are, we are the con angle, anti. So uh, we're gonna talk about all the reasons why the changing climate is dangerous and bad and what we might be able to do to help offset it, uh, not including time travel into the past. Uh, unfortunately. And just to clarify, we are against climate change. I want to make yeah. sure that's okay, because I had written down some stuff and it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense. Oh, boy. Uh, yes. uh, yeah, I, yeah. No, I'm, I'm really happy we're covering this right up front. For the record, we are against against okay. climate Good change. Anti anti because um, this might this is my favorite planet with within driving distance. So I mm -hmm. want to maintain the best environment that we can to hand down to future generations, uh, the kids and all of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I completely agree. And it's a small world uh, because after it's all. also, after all, right? It's also my favorite planet. Um, also because of proximity, the commute, uh, it just seems to be the most efficient for but us. With, with Zoom these days, I mean, possibly I could see living on another planet and then having meetings. But for now, let's just, that seems like a hassle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would agree. save this planet. I would agree. Let's start with that, and then we can get on to uh, you know the other planet um, virtual commute. I imagine Elon Musk is probably working on that already, um, which is, frankly might be the best place for him to go um, is, is to another planet. But um, yeah, so uh, climate change. What do you what do you think about it, Robert? Uh, now that you now that we know that we need to be anti for this anti episode. right yes right um, what's your hot take on, on an anti position on climate change? Well, it, it might be we have time we have plenty of time. Mm. I saw a special about uh, Greta Thunberg. She's young. She's got a whole life ahead of her to turn mm -hmm. things around. Um, but I I will be doing my best. I mm -hmm. you know what know what the one of the worst things is mm -hmm. is uh, is plastic forty percent of all plastic is only used once and then it's thrown away like a, a liberal arts degree. Mm. So maybe that could be one thing that we focus on is, is different products that are ruining the planet. I was thinking the other day, and you probably don't remember this, but back in the 70s, everyone had those really cool uh, combs, those Farrah mm -hmm. Fawcett combs with a really long handle that would stick out of your back pocket. 
Millions. I remember seeing those in a you probably movie don't. once. Yeah, you, you probably don't want to use one because you don't no. you don't have a lot going on. Anyway, yeah, they're well, we don't need to, don't need beautiful, to colorful. We used to collect these combs, and they all still exist. Nobody uses mm -hmm. them, but they're all living somewhere maybe at the bottom of an ocean right now. But the thing is, plastic mm -hmm. doesn't, it just doesn't go away. It's, it's accumulating. So that's... Mm -hmm. I know that's on the top of my list is uh, taking care of the, the plastic issue. And that's mm -hmm. just one of, of many topics that we have to deal with. Today's episode is brought to you by Exxon. Exxon, because who wants to go all the way to Asia for the Black Sea? And when the economy gets bad, we just lay off congressmen. All right. So we are joined today by Mike Tidwell. Mike Tidwell is founder and director of the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, and we are very happy and honored to have him here today. Uh, Mike, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, thank you so much for having me. It really is great to be here. You know, I had a long career in stand-up, and uh, I had so much success, it just started to get boring. So I decided to take on something more challenging like climate change. Sure, uh, so I know how that goes. I found it. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I founded Chesapeake Climate Action Network in 2002 to fight for clean energy in Maryland, Virginia, D.C., and started out with me and a laptop in my house, and now we're 19 staff across the region, and now fighting on Capitol Hill for Joe Biden's American Jobs and Climate Plan. Nice. Nice. Well, it's very admirable, and uh, I'm going to have to pick your brain a little bit offline on alternatives uh, to stand up because yes, it is boring and dark and, uh, and sad. So, uh, good for you for turning things around. Uh, so I have a few questions for you, Mike. First of all, can you please tell me a little bit about the federal clean electricity standard? What is that? What does that mean? Exactly. You talk about it on the website, uh, but how would you describe it to our listeners? Basically, if we're going to solve climate change, we have to electrify everything in our society. Think about that. Everything that depends on lighting something on fire to create energy has got to stop. So cars, no. Furnaces, no. Uh, whatever it is that we're burning something, instead we've got to use electricity. So electric cars, electric home heating and cooling through heat pumps, electric trains, uh, we've got to electrify everything, but we've got to do it with clean electricity. We've got to generate that electricity with wind and solar and hydro and other sources, not by burning coal, not by burning gas. So Joe Biden has proposed a 100% clean electricity standard by 2035, 80% clean by 2030. So we're going to front load a lot of that work. Um, and uh, this is going to revolutionize our economy. So once we have a clean grid, we're not lighting things on fire to create electricity, then we can use that electricity for our cars, for our homes, absolutely everything. So that's the goal. And we've got basically 10 years to pull it off. Wow. Mike, that is ambitious and impressive. Uh, however, I have to ask, I mean, 100% clean electricity by 2035 seems indeed ambitious, especially after seeing how desperate much of the country seems to be hold seems to be to hold on to fossil fuels as we've seen for the past four plus years. So what makes you think that this is achievable? Well, first of all, I think the country is starting to loosen its grip on uh, a fondness for fossil fuels. I mean, the American Mine Workers Association, basically coal miners, came out last week 
and told uh, Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, that they support a transition to a whole new energy paradigm because coal is disappearing. Coal is gone. Coal is over. And soon gas is going to be over. Uh, and so I think you see that intense um, allegiance to dirty energy just disappearing. All right. Well, that all sounds very promising. And it gives me a sense of some cautious optimism. Uh, how about this, Mike, though? Tell me about invasive vines in Tacoma Park. Uh, I, this is something else that I've seen on your website that I would love some more information on. Why do vines in Tacoma Park matter? Well, Tacoma Park is a microcosm, I think, of the whole nation. Look, there's, there's people spending millions of dollars, cities and states, to plant trees, uh, which are good. We know that trees are really important to climate change. They absorb carbon. They provide shade and urban heat island situations. Um, so planting trees is good. Unfortunately, we're not saving the trees we already have. Mm. Uh, if you drive around Washington, D.C. or Tacoma Park, Maryland, a suburb of D.C. or elsewhere, you will see, if you pay attention, literally thousands and thousands of trees dying from English ivy, Asian bittersweet, other invasive vines uh, that are killing these trees. I have photographs of driving around D.C. of literally uh, pampered small trees with deer fences around them and guy wires holding them up and little green bags full of water. I mean, completely pampered red oak trees that are like six feet tall within a hundred feet of a century old red oak that's dying from invasive vines, ripping it to the ground and people just don't see it. So all the reasons that we would want to plant trees for climate and beautification of our neighborhoods are the same reasons we should be saving the trees that are dying from vines. So I'm on a mini crusade to try to save as many trees as possible. So we did uh, in February just as a survey of all the properties in Tacoma Park. We hired an arborist uh, to walk 36 miles of roads and streets in Tacoma Park, and he visually identified 5,000 trees that we're on the brink of dying because of invasive vines. And now we're on a campaign to try to save those trees, again, as a microcosm for the whole country to wake up and save the trees we have. Wow. That sounds like an amazing discovery, especially because when I see trees with vines on them, honestly, it looks pretty to me. Uh, I have two big trees in my backyard that are covered in vines. So hearing this and hearing that, what that really means is that they're being strangled of their life force is... Uh, well, it's, um, it's, it's a little daunting. Tell me, though, how does one approach something like this? So am I supposed to climb up this gigantic tree that's like 50 feet in the air, like Tarzan with a machete, and chop these vines off? How, how does one deal with invasive vines on trees? Yes, go Tarzan. Make sure you get it on video. Climb as high as you can. Hold the saw in your teeth, preferably, and mm -hmm. do your best. Uh, and if you aren't able to save the tree, at least we'll have, you know, good comedic material, right? You're always looking Perfect. for material. I'm uh, so happy we have this recorded so I can play this to the police officers after I'm arrested. That's great. Exactly. Um, no, if you take a simple pruning saw or garden clippers and you just go to the base of that tree, in about five minutes, you should be able to cut all the vines growing up around the base of your tree. Oh, wow. It's ridiculously easy to save these trees. Um, now, it's not a permanent solution. You know, like if you go to the doctor and he says, you have cancer and mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a cure, but here's a pill. It's gonna keep you healthy for five years. 
you're going to take that pill. Uh, cutting those vines is not going to keep other vines from coming back, but it's going to buy your tree at least five more years. Uh, and then you can do it again in five years or so. But it's really simple. You literally cut the vines and pull them down toward the ground and, and you're done. And your tree, all the vines above where you cut will eventually die, dry out and fall off the tree. Wow. That sounds incredibly easy, but also sounds like something that I could use a YouTube tutorial video on. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's in the plan, but climate.org that's chesapeakeclimate.org. Click on our campaigns tab. You'll see invasive species and we've got tutorial videos. We've got photographs. We've got everything you need to take care of the trees in your, in your yard. Impressive. Sounds like you thought this through. Speaking of thinking things through, uh, Mike, we are going to be segueing into a, another segment, which you will need to be thinking things through in as well, but on the spot. So uh, in this segment, we like to emulate Thanksgiving and uh, not the fun part of Thanksgiving, if those do exist in your life, but more so the experience of sitting next to Uncle Steve at the dinner table. Uncle Steve, who's maybe a few drinks under the table and and it has a lot of opinions on things after watching Fox News and Tucker Carlson and uh, so on. So I'd like to rattle off a few anti-climate change intervention points to you and uh, would like to give you up to 30 seconds to respond to each, to put Uncle Steve in his place. How do you feel about that? I feel so good about that. Nice. Nice. I feel good about your readiness. So, so let's try it out. How about this curveball? Going into national debt to offset climate change is fiscally reckless, Mike. This burden is going to impact future generations more than the impact of climate change itself. How dare you? That's my question. Well, uh, first of all, uh, a destroyed planet has no jobs on it. Uh, a destroyed planet has no breathable air. So if you don't have a job and you can't breathe, but we've balanced the national budget, if that's your preferred future, then you should fight for that future. Uh, but going slightly into debt at the federal level in order to stimulate clean energy jobs, in order to invest in offshore wind and solar and electric vehicles so that we have air to breathe, a planet to inhabit, and we have jobs for everyone, that's a future I'm worth fighting for and the modest national debt required uh, will actually be a national investment that will pay itself back many times over in the future. I see, I see. Sounds like you're prepared with your NPR talking points there, Mike, but it also sounds like it might be true. I should probably do my research, but you know, you know what? How about this though? You know, scientists can't even agree that change, sci bleh, scientists can't even agree that climate change is happening. So how do you explain the focus on solving this problem that our scientists today can't even agree on? Uh, first of all, I reject your premise uh, that scientists don't agree that climate change is happening. 97% of all uh, peer-reviewed climate studies have confirmed that uh, climate change is happening. It's driven by human activity in the form of burning fossil fuels uh, and that it's bad for us. Uh, so. The statement that scientists don't agree that climate change is happening is like saying scientists don't agree that the sun's going to rise tomorrow morning. You look pretty foolish making that statement. Mm, 
I see. I see what you did there. Okay. Well, you know what's foolish, though, Mike, is the fact that it can be so cold outside in wintertime, okay? So how can that be so with global warming happening at the same time? And, you know, maybe we could actually use some of that global warming. Maybe that could be good for us. What do you say to those two things? Well, I would say that if we were at a Thanksgiving dinner and you were my uncle making these statements. We are at a Thanksgiving dinner. I've already tied your shoes together underneath the table. And while you weren't looking, I took your uh, turkey wing. Uh, How dare you? Well, you know, you should pay attention more. I've been paying attention to the climate science or what's on your plate. Um, and, uh, but I would just say, you know, do, do us all a favor. Don't worry about when it's cold or it's warm outside. We'll, we'll worry about that. You just go, go about your business. We'll keep spewing our NPR talking points and creating lots of jobs. And, uh, you know, if you ever want a job uh, installing solar panels or selling wind power or uh, driving an electric vehicle, let us know. We'll, we'll hook you up. Mike, I've, I've now fallen down trying to get away from your liberal madness. And uh, I am in a pool of my own vomit on the floor and the children are crying. So I, I hope you're happy. Uh, last question, Mike. This won't affect me or anyone I know. So why focus on this now? Well, if you live on planet Earth today, you are being affected. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, uh, downtown Tokyo, the highlands of Ethiopia, South Africa, it's too hot, too wet, too dry, too cold. There's no normal weather anywhere. Uh, here in the DC region, we've had exceptional flooding in Ellicott City. Uh, Maryland has been wiped out twice from thousand year floods in 22 months. Uh, we've had uh, incredible droughts that are stressing out agricultural yields. And we have sea level rise that's inundating cities like Annapolis. So uh, the only way that you could say that you're not being affected by climate change is by saying you're not paying attention. Don't worry about it. We're going to take care of the problem. We just need, quote unquote, skeptics to uh, step out of the way and let us, let us ha have this clean energy revolution for the benefit of everybody. Perfect. Just tie all the naysayers' shoes, and then maybe, maybe with time, we'll get there. Um, okay, and scene. Thank you very much. That was very impressive. Um, fourth wall is now uh, broken. Um, so, last question, Mike. Uh, we like to end all of these interviews with something that is concrete for our listeners to take away as far as what can they do? What is one action that our listeners can do today to help mitigate this issue, both on a national and global scale, but also right here in the DMV? Well, often people like me are looked to to give folks a few things they can do around the house to reduce their carbon footprint. I don't do that. In fact, individual behavior is not the problem. The goal is to stop for every, the goal is for everyone to stop behaving like individuals and to join the movement. The more we join together to fight climate change, the more we're going to be able to clean up our grid, switch to electric vehicles, and have a livable planet. So number one thing you can do if you're listening to this podcast is develop a relationship with one group that's fighting climate change. Pick one, Sierra Club or my group, Chesapeake Climate Action Network. Just go on the website of that group and sign up for their email alert. That is the best way to develop a relationship with that group. 
people groan when I say that, but most of us still learn about most of our activism and causes and politics through email and social media. If you develop a relationship with one group by getting on their social media or email alert list, then you have stopped becoming, you've stopped being an individual and you've joined a group. And as a group, there are no things that we can't solve. When we come together, that's when walls fall and we can have social change, environmental change. So that's, you know, pick a group. Interfaith Power and Light is very active in this region for people of faith. Uh, Audubon Naturalist Society, Chesapeake Climate Action Network. Just pick a group and get involved in that group and fight climate change with that group. That's the best thing you can do. That is concrete and admirable for you to plug other organizations as well as your own. If our listeners were to pick one single group, which one would you advise that they pick right now? Well, I obviously am biased toward my own group, Chesapeake Climate Action Network. We're not only active in Maryland, Virginia, DC, fighting for clean energy, but we really are focused now on Capitol Hill. We're meeting with members of the House, members of the Senate and the White House. We punch above our weight. We're a scrappy group that gets really, really noisy and very laser focused. And we need everyone's help to pass Joe Biden's American Jobs Plan. Um, it's going to literally transform every aspect of our lives, uh, but we need your help. So you can learn more at chesapeakeclimate.org. That's chesapeakeclimate.org. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate the time. Hey, this has been a blast. I come to you from a little DIY space known as just the outside on a street. Um, and happy <laughs> Earth Day. I uh, saw like a bunch of plastic straws earlier and I thought, not on my watch, so I threw them in the creek. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so it's so important to conserve and protect like all of this landmass on the planet, you know. So it's a good thing it's flat. Um, I um, <laughs> did realize recently, so I learned this thing about climate change. Like, okay, there's you know. The clothing industry is like the third biggest source of pollution to the planet. So we're supposed to wear thrift clothes because it's less wasteful, right? But like pit stains, talk about gross domestic product. So um, <laughs> what do we do? Okay, uh, a sustainable option is just to wear fewer clothes, like become a nudist, join a nudist community, and that lacks pragmatism because being naked gets cold. But also the earth is getting hotter, so suck it up. <laughs> Uh, but you know uh don't suck it in honey carbon negative body positive <laughs> um thank you yeah you can check out my ted talk uh this is our silver lining segment oh no not silver linings yeah okay. yeah are you are you ready for it i i guess so and i realize if i cry again um mm. When you present these facts that I'm supposed to find the silver linings for, we could collect that moisture. And that's how mm -hmm. maybe we can, this episode can help solve the drying out of the Western US is mm -hmm. collective uh, tears that we could somehow store in some reservoir. Uh, to build I love up. that framework so much. In fact, I think that is going to become the new objective of this segment. I, <laughs> so it's going to be silver lining slash tear collection to offset climate change in a very dry part of the country. Oh, um, boy. Oh, boy. So, uh, so yeah, more tears, the better. So keep them flowing. Okay. All um, right. Let's do it. All right. All right. Great. So here we go. First point. 
that I would like to hear a silver lining for, all right? The concentration of carbon dioxide, CO2, in our atmosphere as of May 2020 is the highest it has been in human history. Go. Um, we are, uh, we are it's, it's rising a lot like um, cryptocurrencies. And so when those things rise, that just means it's gonna, it's gonna top out and it's gonna fall, it's gonna fall hard and fast. And that is when we, that is when we work, is when it, when it drops. It's bound to happen. What comes up must, uh, what goes up must come down. They don't mm -hmm. say that about, that has to apply to everything. That must apply to everything. Yeah, yeah, that's Newton's law right there. Right, yeah, it's his fourth, his fourth law of motion, I believe, is that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what goes up must come down. Mm -hmm. And then I saw that at a beach once. There was a sign about uh, don't, don't feed the pigeons because uh -huh. as the pigeons fly up with your food, then uh, they they come down with when they're done with the food. Mm, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, like feces. That that makes it's just that like that. Sense. Yes. Um, okay, cool. Well, I think that was a really good uh, answer to the first one. So impressive. Uh, let's keep going. I forgot first, to mention the first time one. Yeah, first yeah, we one. Have, we have a few. There's going to be like three of them. Yeah, these sorry. are these are these are. I'm you're giving me horrible facts, and I'm supposed to turn, <laughs> spin them. And that's exactly what positive. the segment is, Robert. Uh, that's okay. exactly what we're doing here. Yes. Okay. So um, the for the people, for the people, the entertainment and the tears. Don't forget the tears. Tears, right? Yes. The more right. tears we have, the more yeah. we can replenish the mm -hmm. uh, depleted water tables yeah. out west. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Here we go. Um, 11% of all global greenhouse gas emissions caused by humans are due to deforestation, comparable to the emissions from all of the passenger vehicles on the planet. Wow. Um, What's the silver lining of that, Robert? Why? Silver, can we break, break this down a little bit? 11% 11, 11 yeah. of, of, I'm sorry, 11% of, of the emissions I'm sorry, could you? 11% of all global greenhouse gas emissions caused by humans are due to deforestation. This is comparable to the emissions from all of the passenger vehicles on the planet. Wow. So that's a lot. 11% is, is one, one ninth, just about. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the positive, the silver lining here, and I, I can't believe you, you didn't even see it, is mm the forests on the planet are finite. So at a certain point, there won't be any more forests. So that 11% will have to come down to zero. Once, mm. once, once the forest percentage of the planet's covering is down to nothing, <laughs> then there will be n no more forests to consume. And that's a win-win. <sighs> that's really good. That's really good. I'm, I, I think I shed a tear like a single one for that because one. you're laughing um uh, i'm not actually sure what emotion it is but it came okay. out of my face uh, okay so uh, i'm taking anyway, that as a win yeah yeah let's call it a win call it a win where we can get it we might uh, have to raise you from you. silver linings to gold linings they're so yeah 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 we are in i am in gold country right now so that would that would also be applicable um okay i, I feel like I'm, I'm i'm on a roll now i'm getting these you're pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, only only 20,000 more. Okay, here we go. Here's the last one we're gonna do. Um, we don't unfortunately have time for 20,000, but 
Uh, okay. If we continue to lose mangroves, oh no, let, let me let me take a step back. All right, eight hundred thousand hectares of mangroves are lost every year. If we continue to lose mangroves at this rate, they may disappear within the next century. This loss removes an important buffer from extreme weather for coastal communities and releases immense amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. How is that positive, Robert? Um, well, uh, mangroves have done a lot of good things, but mm. I, I, would, I would say that most of the world's problems are because of mangroves. And if we substitute woman groves right. in their place, then only good things can, can happen. I don't know if you saw the president speak uh, on television uh, not that long ago. He had two women behind him for the first time in mm -hmm. American history. Saw and I think, I think the planet Mother Earth, by the way, is a woman as well. So we just, need to, we just need to convert some of these mangroves into woman groves. Mm -hmm regardless of what some of these southern states are going to say about allowing them to participate in high school sports. That is a whole different subject, mm -hmm. and uh, we don't have time for that. But Unfortunately um, not, no. Women, women grow because of their, their, their ability um, to give birth, are more mm -hmm. nurturing, and would, will take much better care of the mm -hmm. planet mm -hmm. than these boy groves and man groves. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by Cherry Blossoms in February. Cherry Blossoms in February. Because fooling Mother Nature is fun, and waiting until April 1st takes too long. And now we have a, another special guest with us here today. I'm uh, going to bring in a, an old friend of mine from uh, Peace Corps in Morocco. This guy and I spent a lot of time hanging out in the desert together in the middle of nowhere, which is very fitting because that is where we currently are, although he might argue that it is in fact somewhere. Uh, without further ado, please welcome to the show, Charlie Silverman from Orchard City, Colorado. Hi, Chris. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Yeah, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've ended up in Orchard City. Sure. Well, the short of the story, how I ended up in Orchard City was I got cabin fever in the pandemic and I threw a dart. And I ended up somewhere near here. Denver is my home home and uh, hopped on Zillow that night, found a place with tiny homes. And now I'm a short term rental entrepreneur. That's true. I can attest to that. I've been staying in one of his tiny homes out here and it's lovely. Uh, so, uh, so Charlie, you're a, you're a giant in the tiny home world. I'm very big in Japan. That's what they tell me. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, literally. Uh, so, Charlie, there's um, a lot happening here as far as weather. Uh, why, don't, why don't I just leave it that broad and vague? Um, and why, why don't you tell us a little bit about why Orchard City, Colorado sticks out uh, among other places in the country weather-wise? Orchard City happens to be located in a place that's really kind of in the center of the map for climate change in the U.S. It's got major water issues. In fact, most of the political issues surrounding things here are concerned around water rights. And the climate change here has been more extreme than in other places in the U.S., whereas in other places they're trying to keep climate change under two degrees. 
here on the western edge of Colorado, it's gone up as much as four degrees over time. So it's pretty extreme here and people are feeling it all the time. It's a it's a, like a bread basket of the state. So lots of agriculture is around here. So they feel it pretty acutely. And Charlie, in, in your time in in your new home here, what have you experienced as far as the weather changing or shifting? Mm. Since I've been in Orchard City, things were hot and then they cooled down and then they got a little bit wintry and ever since then they've been heating up again. But I think that's really only because I've just gotten to town. I've only been here since June of 2020. So I've got pretty fresh eyes on this place. Good, good. He's also an expert. I mean, how many other people here are doing podcasts right now talking about the weather of this place? None that I know of. There you go. There you That's go. It. Makes me the authority. Yep. Um, so water is sparse here, and I can attest to the fact that everything is dry, very dry, way too flammable um, to comfortably set a bush on fire. Uh, so what is the dynamic with that? How does that work? Does everyone have equal access to water or are water wars a real thing? Water wars are absolutely a real thing. Orchard City is not actually a city, but it's really a collection of three different neighborhoods that came together at the beginning of the 20th century. Neighborhoods called Austin, where we happen to be, and two more called Eckert and Corey, and they had no political clout of their own. And so they banded together to create this little municipality made up of the three called Orchard City, so they'd have more water rights. And now, because of climate change and because the infrastructure around here is very, very old, uh, things are getting very expensive for people who are involved in agriculture, which is everything around here. So water wars are really intense. And me being a new guy who's not doing any farming in this particular area, but who has water rights i'm trying to get my water rights sold or leased this year and it's it, it's a big bureaucratic to do and how do they determine who gets water rights any any resident and is it based on the amount of property you have i believe that it's based on the amount of property that you have but there's a formula to it that i i, I actually anything i tell you would be just speculation other than i think it's based on property size so for example i have four shares of Butte Ditch Company irrigation water for whatever that means. And I'm, I don't even totally know what that means myself. And people are hounding you trying to get to, to buy or lease your rights because they're farmers and they need it because the, the temperature has gone up. Exactly right. And, and also I've gotten things in the mail that have said drought conditions have been declared for this area and there will be rationing of how much water you get, even based on the shares that you own. Mm -hmm. So water is particularly scarce this time of year. And despite what Chris would have seen up on top of the Grand Mesa with the big snowpack, mm -hmm. water levels are very, very low in the entire area. So uh, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Solid policy. Solid policy. Solid. Are, do, do you see Liquid that posted anywhere? Solid policy. Right, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Okay, huh. And what about like, if there's a child birthday party and there's a desire to have like a water gun fight, is that just not a thing here? 
I haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it. Gunfights are a big thing. Water yeah. gunfights, less so. Mm. I was going to say, yeah, guns. I mean, there's probably an open water gun policy there already. Probably. Mm. Probably. Yeah, I really need to look into that. Otherwise, could find myself in trouble with the wrong kinds of guns. Yeah, hopefully they've at least banned super soakers. Mm. Those, those can get dangerous. So, um, And I know I know that where, where I live, I'm, I'm on the East Coast. I know that they're expecting drier in the west and more moisture here in the east but i can tell you that the temperature has gone up six degrees here and that's just from this morning so that's <laughs> wow yeah and it's probably going to drop later tonight it's just it's like day and night here with the temperature it's crazy how are you so good at this robert uh, i read a lot of headlines uh -huh. I, I don't read the whole headlines i just read the what catches my eye the clickbait i read the clickbait and then I form opinions based on that because a lot of that stuff is true. Otherwise, yes. why would they And listen? then you're, you're really quick to repeat those opinions. Yes, uh, yes. Public forum, that's great. It's cooler yeah. earlier today, the sun rose in the sky and now things are getting warmer. It's just, it's pure science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds scientific. Great. All right, I think that's the time that we have um uh, charlie any parting thoughts or advice to our listeners or anything you'd like to share listened to a million podcasts first time ever being on one thanks for the opportunity fellas yeah thanks for being here appreciate it all right Good chatting with you charlie thanks Good chatting with you take care bye-bye i heard i heard some uh distressing uh weather related news a little bit ago uh, a bunch of a bunch of science men said some things and, and the science ladies that they reluctantly allowed on board. They said, I, I wanna call times real quick. For, for many years, we all know, for many years it was just science men. And then they said, fine, fine, we'll allow a science lady. And the first science lady was Marie Curie, who's the only person to win two Nobel Prizes in two different fields of science. And she discovered radiation, and she discovered the only substance, harder than diamonds, it's an avocado from Trader Joe's. <laughs> What if someone weaponizes that technology, okay? If that avocado fell into the wrong hands, it would crush those hands. Because, anyway, time's back in. So the science men, they said a couple things. They said uh, every year they look at all the numbers at the end of the year, and it turns out most of the time, for most years, July is the hottest month of that particular year. And I thought back when I was a kid, all right? Fourth of July, always hot, always July. So the evidence <laughs> bears that out. July, hot, okay, I'm not arguing with that. What I'm arguing with is what they said next because what they said next was July of last year, the last July that we had was the hottest month on earth ever. And that's a big thing to say because we're not quite done with ever yet, okay? <laughs> It's a little premature to be handing out trophies, okay? Let's just, we got a long time. Ever for the Earth began when the Earth began, which was 4.5 billion years and two and a half years ago. I've done all the research. <laughs> I talked to the specialists who specialize in that specialty and they've told me that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old and that was two and a half years ago, so you would have to add that <laughs> to its age. And the Earth will continue to exist for another five to seven billion years. 
minus the two and a half years that we've already used up, at which time the sun turns into a red giant and consumes the earth. So that, that spread, that is ever for the earth. And we're not even halfway done. And you don't crown a champion before mid-season. All right, let's, let's see how it plays out. It might not even be the hottest month of the decade, OK? And I'm, I'm not a gambling guy. But if I were, I'd put all my money on probably the last month of ever. I bet you <laughs> that's going to be kind of hot. When the sun expands 250 times its size and turns into a 5,000 degree ball of nuclear fusion, vaporizing every atomic bond that holds the Earth's very existence together, that's got to be hotter than July. <laughs> and now for an interview with Rich Oilman from the Gas Hole Institute, who I randomly met at a gas station in Colorado. He was wearing a bright pink cowboy hat with matching boots, had a big smile with a perfectly trimmed mustache, and had a lot of things to say about his unique approach to tackling climate change. Um, so anyway, are you ready for an interview? We're going to interview this guy. Yes, thank you. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, I was going to say hello to Robert, but he, he seems to be gone now. But um, Yeah, wow, Robert didn't even have a chance to weigh in on this. Okay, well, he I guess he took the his, cue. So. His loss, his yeah. loss. Um, but so, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm Rich Oilman from the Gas Hole Institute, and thanks for the... Thanks for describing my outfit. It, it is eye-catching, and uh, we have an idea that's also very eye-catching, and it's, it's pretty simple because uh, global warming is probably not a hoax, more than likely. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw some of the, the fake media footage of, of wildfires racing through California and Australia and uh, two of the other four corners of the planet. It's, uh, it's, we live in pretty dire times uh, in some of these hot spots. And some people uh, aren't able to get out of these wildfires that, that ravage their, their homes. And so mm -hmm. what we're suggesting is as a way for the Gas Hole Institute to help people is we're asking people to have, have an emergency supply of, of water and, and necessities in your car and keep your car running all the time so that when these wildfires sneak up on your house, you could jump into your car and, and take off and save your yourself and your, your home and your possessions. Wow, that's really creative, Rich. Um, it, it sounds like this might be uh, a way to save jobs as well, right? Because gas stations are gonna stay full and fully staffed. Um, you're also probably going to need some personal staff, right? Well, my yes, I have a, a, a great personal staff. And okay. as this uh, campaign is, is really kicking into high gear, I have more and more people who, who load up all of my vehicles all around the world that I have, including my yachts. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you have a, a yacht? Got yacht? Uh, I sadly don't got yacht. Um, not got not, not. it's, not. it's I, I've got not yeah so um I don't know maybe that's something you could also help with is how to provide yachts to people also because I imagine that is a, a the more escape routes the better I would imagine well, uh, rise, the, rising oceans raise all yachts so as mm -hmm. as the oceans continue to rise 
we will be spending more and more time on our yachts and mm -hmm. the yachts will also need to be able to get away quickly at mm -hmm. a moment's notice as the oceans catch on fire. And mm -hmm. so what we're asking, keep your cars running, mm -hmm. keep your yachts running. It's a campaign mm -hmm. we call Keep It Running. And, and mm -hmm. I just want to add one thing here, Chris, mm -hmm. is yeah. I cannot guarantee if you're using a cheap grade gasoline in your car, if your car is going to stall out in the middle of the night as you keep it running. Mm -hmm. So what we recommend at the Gas Hole Institute is you just keep your tank filled with the most expensive gasoline that you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. And that'll maintain the integrity of, of your vehicle so it's mm -hmm. always running. So anytime you come out to your car, think of all the wasted seconds of turning on the engine and maybe it won't start and there's a fire leaping from trees, uh, falling on you and your family and your possessions and, and so on. So always keep the best gasoline at hand, keep your tanks full in your cars, in your boats, and mm -hmm. and that seems to be the best way to deal with these wildfires that are spontaneously combusting uh, around the planet. Mm -hmm. So, Robert, I am live tweeting this right now, and Ro uh, Robert's not here. But um, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Um, okay, well, Rich, it's been a pleasure. I'm gonna have to get back to Robert now. Um, I don't know where the heck he went. Um, we're gonna have to locate him. So, anyway, it's it's been real. Take care. Thanks. Today's episode is brought to you by cicadas. Cicadas. Because annoying you feels like it can be forgiven when it's 17 years in the making. Uh, I know that this is a fundraiser for uh, a organization that is combating climate change. And I would like to ask those people right now if you could, uh, if you could hurry up because... <laughs> I say that because the trivia questions were terrifying. <laughs> all of them. It was all stuff like, as the sperm whales get hunted to extinction and the giant squid population gets out of control, who is more likely to be eaten first? A, you. B, your children. <laughs> <laughs> or C, a boatload of rescue animals. <laughs> All of the questions are terrifying. All of the above. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody, that's our show. Thanks again to my co-host, Robert Mack, for co-hosting and letting us use a comedy clip of his. Thank you again to interviewees, Mike Tidwell from the Chesapeake Climate Action Network and Charlie Silverman from Orchard City, Colorado. And thank you to the comics you heard from the recent comedy show that we had in late April for CCAN, Brittany Carney and Violet Gray. Also, another big thank you to our sound engineer, Steve. We have another virtual comedy show coming up on Thursday, June 3rd, that you're not going to want to miss. It's a punning games show with a punny twist. In this interactive show, from Grassroots Comedy DC, comedians and audience members out-clever each other through several rounds of not very intense gameplay. There's also opportunities for audience participation and prizes. This show is going to be raising funds for children in under-resourced communities in the nation's capital, with proceeds going to the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank and Horton's Kids. For more information on the show, go to our website at grassrootscomedy.com. You can also follow us on social media if you're not already. Twitter at Grassroots Funny. 
Facebook, Grassroots Comedy DC, and Instagram at Grassroots Comedy DC. Until next time, everybody, this has been the Grasscast.